millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're into extra time! Hello and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Barry Guy. The international cricket season is over and while the Black Caps lost to South Africa, it was a pretty good summer overall. And things are on track for the All Whites and their journey to the FIFA World Cup Finals could become easier. Kane Williamson was again a standout player for New Zealand cricket the past summer. He was named Player of the Year at the annual awards. Williamson led the Black Caps to one of their most successful home summers with Test Series wins over Pakistan and Bangladesh. He scored four Test centuries and equaled the record for most Test centuries by a New Zealander, 17, a record he shares with Martin Crowe. Neil Wagner was Test Player of the Year, Martin Guptill ODI Player of the Year and Amy Satterthwaite Women's ODI Player of the Year. Williamson told Matt Chatterton he's honoured to receive the award but preferred to reflect on the team's achievements rather than his own. It is a cool opportunity to reflect, um, uh, I suppose, a, a line in the sand where you, you look at a, a year on a whole and, and perhaps um, review it, um, recognise team successes, some individual successes, um, various other awards. And you know, it was nice to be able to do that um, and reflect in that fashion, saying that a number of guys move on to um, play in, in different comps with different teams in a, in a few days' time. Um, but it does mean, I suppose, that you yeah, put a full stop to the end of a, what was a very busy year um, with a lot of learnings um, and look forward to the next one. I guess we've had a few instances where you know captain or people have taken over the captaincy and haven't quite played as well when they've taken it over. What do you think makes you, I guess, a little bit different, the fact that you have taken over captaincy and have been quite, you know, you've succeeded with the captaincy? I mean, that's, that's a very difficult question to answer, <laughs> really. Um, you know, for me, the captaincy is uh, is all about the team. I'm trying to push the team, encourage the team to move in the right direction, um, continue to, to add to the culture, encourage everyone else to do the same, um, and hopefully we keep tracking in the right direction. Uh, in terms of performance, um, once again, it, it comes back to that, that common theme, I suppose, of trying to contribute, trying to help the team um, and do it as, as best as you can. Um, and you know if that if that means some runs, some wickets, um, some catches, um, that's great. Uh, more the merrier. That's what you're wanting to achieve because that's the idea of um, I, I suppose of trying to help the side. You are you had a, as you mentioned a very successful summer. There were a couple of instances I guess in the ODIs where in the series of siders against India and South Africa they didn't quite go your way. Is that an area you'd particularly like to work on where you know you get to the series of cider and the team didn't quite I guess live up to their potential? Yeah, I mean it's they, they were one game, you know, sort of one one-off match really, where you go into it uh, to all um, in both those instances, um, and you you are wanting to to bring out your best performance, and um, particularly early on uh, in that uh, I suppose season that year um, with um, India, you know, it was a, an extremely tough tour. Um, to go to all was a fantastic effort, and, and wanting to put out that 
that complete performance which we still hadn't, um, which was exciting, um, and not to deliver was was frustrating, disappointing. But um, with a, a, a relatively new side wanting to grow, it was it was important we learned from it as well. And I think we saw that a little bit coming into um, our home summer, a tough tour in Aussie, but to get the Chapel Hadley back against a, a strong Aussie side, um, they're always strong, always tough to beat. Um, really showed that character, um, showed that we'd learn a few lessons. <clears throat> um, and a little bit frustrating, I suppose, going uh, into the, the decider against South Africa. But I think overall you reflect on it, and I think it was a, um, a, a successful year in terms of that growth. Um, a number of players getting opportunities for the first time this year that came into uh, roles and, and picked up those roles and really ran with it. Um, so, like I say, it is exciting moving forward, and we do want to keep tracking in that right direction. That's Kane Williamson. Joining us now is sports editor Stephen Hewson. He's also our cricket reporter. And Stephen, it was a pretty good season in the test matches for New Zealand. Yeah, they did. And maybe just before we kick on to, to the Black Caps, we should mention on the back of those cricket awards, Amy Satterthwaite, who was uh, acknowledged too for her her year, given that she had four consecutive centuries in the, in the one day is there. And that was a... Uh, a performance that uh, equaled the world record of Kumar Sankakara. So, um, you know, uh, some some major milestones for the New Zealand cricketers um, uh, over over the past twelve months. But yeah, the, I suppose if we look at the the test match test matches at home, I think I suppose is the freshest in, in our memory. We've had Pakistan and Bangladesh here, um, and wins over those two two nations. Um, Pakistan, they were number one in the world when they when they came here. So uh, a, a good performance with the Black Caps, and in a year that has definitely been rebuilding. I suppose we look at you know no Brenda McCullum there, and and a few other players that have have gone. Um, so uh, certainly a rebuilding phase for the um, the Black Caps, and then it was just unfortunate that I suppose it all ended with that washout in Hamilton when. Um, the New Zealanders were so much on top and on course for, for what would have been their, their first win against uh, South Africa in a test match in, in more than a, a decade and it would of course also levelled the series at, at one all so South Africa dodged a bullet there, they've walked away with a series win uh, and I suppose in effect re- repeated simply what the Black Caps did in Wellington didn't they um, because the, the Black Caps fell over, they lost by eight wickets there uh, the South Africans did the did the same in the second innings meltdown and uh, got away with it simply because of the because of the weather. Um, there, there were a couple of you a couple of single days throughout the summer. I mean, because there was a Pakistan where it looked like it was going to be a draw or Pakistan, and then they had that outstanding afternoon when they rolled them. But then again, as you mentioned, South Africa, it was just a, more or less a single day at the Basin Reserve, and that cost them. It was, so it, it was pretty good, but either one day went for them or against them, didn't it? It, it was almost even not even a day. It was almost a session mm. where, where they lost the lost things a, a, a bit. And, um, yeah, they, I mean, it was a pretty much a single session at uh, and. Uh, at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. And, and I suppose what even made that even more disappointing was it was on a pitch that theoretically was favouring the batsmen. I mean, the the South African spinner grabbed a handful of wickets on a, on a wicket that wasn't really turning. And I suppose it's those things that sort of... Well, they... they um, frustrate us. Frustrate. <laughs> yeah, it's pulling our hair out, don't they? But, yeah. I mean, you look at that test series and you think back that that third test in Hamilton and, you, and, and the Black Caps did it with without Trent Bolt Tim Southey, there's your opening bowling combination, and, and without Ross Ross Taylor, and then uh, Kane Williamson goes and scores his 17th Test century, most uh, ever by a New Zealander, equaling Martin Crowe's record. Uh, you know, there's there's been some 
some some major milestones over the summer. Uh, the one day game, uh, Chapel Hadley. We had uh, well earlier in the summer over there, and they came back here. And also the one day is uh, pretty exciting against South Africa. Yeah, I mean the Chapel Hadley series one great top top effort. But again, as you mentioned there about going to Australia, and there's a one or two lame, a bit of a lame effort there. But yep, they've got the Chapel Hadley. Uh, trophy back. I think it possibly means a whole lot more to uh, the New Zealanders than possibly the Australians. Uh, the other one-day series, India and South Africa. I mean, they played India in India in October, and again, you know, they had a, had a, some good performances there because they got that series, that five-match series, back to two all. So they go to the fifth and final match, the decider. They've done really well getting themselves back into the series and then fall over with a limp performance. I mean, in a sense, had they lost that series 3-2, but it been a, a, at least a battle or a cliffhanger in that fifth match, you would have gone fair enough. But you, you, you look back at that series and you think what, what might have been. And, and then it was the same against South Africa. They got themselves back into the, the series after going behind early on. And that fifth match, it was a, they fell over. And it wasn't much of a competition for, for the big crowd at Eaton Park. Um, so that's that's the the frustrating part. It's not even almost the the fact that they lost. It's the manner in which they lost. Uh, as we heard a little earlier, uh, Kane Williamson, uh, player of the summer, and uh, Neil Wagner, uh, the bowler. But uh, for the summer of sixteen uh, seventeen, any anyone else that sort of captured your uh, attention? Yeah, I mean we should give um, a, a sort of a mention to Neil Wagner because he is the. Second fastest New Zealand at a 100 test wickets um, behind Sir Richard Hadley, of course. And he also um, is the second highest number of wickets uh, in a season by a New Zealand test bowler. Uh, he was in mid-50s, I think he took. Again, only behind Sir Richard Hadley, uh, who took 64 or so in, in, in one season during the, the 80s. Um, so, yeah, uh, and he's not the kind of guy you go... He's a great New Zealand Test bowler, but his, his his numbers stack up really well. So you know he's um, fair fair play to him, and 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 well done to Neil Wagner. Uh, other parts by Jeet Ravel. Um, the opening spot's been a been a problem for New Zealand in recent years, and I suppose he just got to the point where Tom Latham seemed to have come into his own there, was performing well, and then he obviously had a bit of a a, a disappointing summer. But Jeet Ravel, half a dozen Test fifties, um, still just. Not quite managing to get on, go on and get a, a century. I'm sure that would that will come for him. But yeah, he's uh, shown that um, yeah he, he's the person for the job. Maybe, maybe too another scientist. He's 28, so so he's come in a, a bit later in his career on the onto the Test scene. And, and again, that maybe shows a, the, the way that we we should be looking to perhaps. Uh, I know one thing that's perplexed you a little. Um, an all rounder that hasn't really stood out and you know said that this is my spot. You know they seem to. You know, I'd know where they are, actually. Yeah, well, th- you're right. Uh, I mean, Colin de Gronheim's done well with the ball. Um, he got his first Test 50 in that last test against South Africa, so he's sort of gave signs there but that um, he, he might be um, uh, coming, coming that way. I mean... Uh, the ideal, I think, for, for the Black Caps is what, or what they, Mike Hesson wants to be able to do is to play Mitchell Santner, the spinner, at bat at six. Unfortunately, Santner, and while he's got the talent, hasn't delivered on on that that promise as yet. So he's he's the one that they see as possibly a genuine or, or someone holding down that genuine all rounding all rounder position. Uh, Daniel Vittori. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, and then you've got Jimmy Neesham, again, quite, hasn't quite possibly delivered. Uh, and 
Yeah, so th- th- that's still uh, an area that they're looking to to try and settle down. But you've got to say Colin de Gronholm, he's may- maybe sort of edged ahead a little bit in the uh, all-rounder stakes this summer. Many thanks to Stephen Hewson. And this is Extra Time. The head of New Zealand football says proposed changes to World Cup qualifications could be a game-changer. The sports world governing body FIFA has announced its proposed allocation for an expanded 48-team World Cup from 2026 and includes an automatic place for Oceania. Oceania is the only confederation not to have a guaranteed spot, with the group winner currently having to play off against the fifth-place South American team. New Zealand Football Chief Executive Andy Martin told Sally Murphy it means a lot for Oceania. The other significant point is not just a direct entry, but there's also a half-place for a second team in Oceania to go through to a qualifying competition. So I think what that will do is is raise standards and hope and ambition in, in the region because, you know, in the past it may just have been, you know, New Zealand winning most of the time. But actually now what we've got is, is an opportunity for a second team, whether it's us or somebody else. Um, and that's just going to help now and, and really drive standards, I think, across the region, which is great news. Do you think Australia will come back into the Oceania region? Um, I, look, who knows? That's a very difficult question. I, I can't see that's a simple, um, a simple sort of issue for them. You know, they've tied a lot of their, um, their, their broader government agenda into an Asian uh, football uh, proposition. So I'm not sure that's an easy, a, easy question to answer, to be quite honest. So we're just focused on us. We're making sure that as we look forward cycle by cycle, obviously the current cycle finishes this, this year with an entry into next year. So hopefully we'll be in the game in November, ready to go to Russia. The 18-22 cycle is, is going to be the same. You know, we've still got the playoffs, so it's a tough cycle for us. But then potentially 22-26 becomes a cycle where we know there's direct entry, light at the end of the tunnel for us, and, and that's exciting. Do you think 48 teams is, is quite a lot? Do you think it'll make the competition better or dilute it? No, no, no. I think it'll make it better. I think the key point around the expansion is making sure teams that have a chance to play in the World Cup um, are com- competitive. I think the, the argument for many years has been putting teams into the competition that they're going to get smashed, you know, 8, 9, 10, 0. Um, I don't think that's the case these days. I think comp- uh, teams like, like New Zealand are not going to get beaten by those scores. You know, we are competitive. We've got good players, good coaches. Um, and I think that's going on around the world. So I think this is this is really good news for football. It's broadening the game. And uh, as I say, those those scores of yesteryear with the big, um, huge scores, I don't see them being repeated at World Cups. Andy Martin from New Zealand Football. Joining me now is Vinnie Wiley, who has been covering the Oceania Nations Cup and watched all the All Whites games against Fiji this week. Vinnie, firstly, uh, your thoughts on Anthony Hudson's All Whites side and how well they're playing? Well, uh, Anthony Hudson has been relatively consistent in selection for the last sort of few windows uh it's an interesting mix of obviously the overseas professionals the likes of chris wood and uh, tommy smith is of course back the former captain from ipswich town uh ryan thomas scored a couple of goals there from based in holland um but he also has quite a few new zealand based players and amateur players the likes of clayton lewis who plays for auckland city in the new zealand uh, domestic competition he was selected in this squad whereas Costa Barbarousas, of course, for the Wellington Phoenix hasn't been playing so well. He was left out, which I think is just a attempt at a bit of a kick up the backside for Barbarousas. He played well for the Phoenix in their most recent matchup, But he's got quite a settled lineup, quite a settled formation. Uh, they weren't particularly expansive against Fiji. They were you know, pretty uh, onto it defensively, making sure that they got bodies behind the ball, which Fiji, Fiji did as well. Uh, Fiji looked dangerous on a couple of counter-attacks, Roy Krishna in particular, but largely New Zealand, and this is what Hudson said, you know, when they had to defend, they defended. 
Um, it was pretty hard to break Fiji down defensively because they had so many bodies behind the ball, uh, but eventually they did. They showed good patience. Um, and I guess the next step for New Zealand now is the Confederations Cup in Russia, which is going to be a big step up against the likes of Portugal, against the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, where those teams are going to attack more, so there might be more space for New Zealand to do the same. It's obviously going to be a lot harder to defend against those sides too, but um, he's you know building quite a consistent team of selection, and, and they've got a clear game plan, so I guess it's just uh, getting matches and experience under the belt. You mentioned how the All-Whites have uh, uh, overseas-based players coming back. Uh, not really the same for uh, the majority of the Pacific Island nations, so would New Zealand have too much of an issue winning the Oceania uh, title again? I mean, realistically, they shouldn't because they have the resources, they have the players that other countries can't draw on in the region. Um, they've got not a lot of money in a global sense, but they've got a lot more than Fiji or Tahiti or Papua New Guinea. Uh, Fiji, of course, rely on Roy Krishna, their only professional player and, you know, a hero up there, um, you know, the face of football. New Caledonia have a couple of French-based players, but largely it's local teams that don't have the resources and, and don't have as much time together. So um, all those things put together, um, New Zealand have everything in their favour, certainly in the Oceania region. Cheers, Vinny. Vinny Wiley, sports reporter for Radio New Zealand International. Former Silver Fern captain Casey Corpua announced her retirement from international netball. The 101 Test defender captain New Zealand a record 77 times throughout her career. That included appearances at three Nepal World Cups and three Commonwealth Games, winning gold at two of them. 31-year-old took a year off from international netball last year to recover from a knee injury, as well as to welcome the birth of her first child. Corporal told Matt Chatterton that she started thinking about her future when pre-season started in October, having just had a year off. sort of opens your eyes. You don't really know you know, what it's like till you've done it and you're out of it. And it just, yeah, it just shows, I guess it shows you what, what your life, you know, can be without netball. But, yeah, fully just thinking about the whole picture, not just, you know, not just netball. Was, was it a tough decision? I imagine it was, but from your point of view, was it? Yeah, it was. It's not something um, that you can just make just like that. And I made sure that I spoke to Terry, my husband, and uh, my parents and... Um, just been picking people's brains about it, and then once I made the decision, you know everything just felt right. Um, there's a weight off my shoulders, and it felt really good. I guess from your point of view, do you feel like you're leaving the the uh, I guess the team in capable hands with uh, sort of who we've got in, in the Silver Ferns lineup, and, and even in the domestic competition, I guess at the moment. Yeah, well, I think so. I think Katrina and Maria have will do a great job, and they were you know they were there when I was there, so. Hopefully, you know, things will carry on. I talked to Maria, I guess, just before the start of the, the ANZ Premiership, and she said, you know, she, she couldn't go through winning a silver medal again at a World Cup. That wasn't any motivation for you to carry on for another two years? Yeah, well, it, it's, that was one thing that was um, considered when making the decision. But if I carried on like that, I might be here forever to do that. <laughs> um, but it is that's yeah the World Cup is the only thing that I that we I haven't won personally. But in saying that, I want to go back. I didn't want to go back if I wasn't the player or the person that I wanted to be. And please don't take offence to this question, but was age a factor? I guess also in your decision. Uh, yeah, it certainly was. Obviously, I'm not 17 anymore, and um, obviously having Maya it puts you know life in perspective and. Uh, makes you realise or just think about, you know, life after netball and life with netball and 
you know, obviously I'm getting, well, I'm 32 this year, so um, still got a few years left, but I don't think that, you know, at that level, at, at the Silver Fern level. How many years, I guess, do you still hope to be part of the uh, Bay of Plenty Magic team for? Um, well, at this stage, I'm, you know, we're just going this season, um, and then I'll reevaluate after that. I can't, honestly, I can't, I don't, I don't know after that. I can't give you any more on that. Right, right. That's cool. That's cool. Um, what, <laughs> was the was the knee injury also much of a consideration? Obviously, that was a big, big moment in your career, and it still haunts me when I think about it and see the pictures. Was that was that a decision? Like, did that play on your mind a little bit as well? Uh, not really. That no, not at all. I, it's really probably bad, but I never really think about what could happen to me. Um, I just worry about it at the end of the game or afterwards. Otherwise, I just you. I would never do anything. <laughs> Yeah, true that, true that. Um, I guess looking back on your um, international career, have you got any particular highlight that sticks out in your mind? Um, probably just a, as you talked about a silver medal for the World Cup. It would be the gold medals that we won at Delhi and then Melbourne at the Commonwealth Games. They were pretty unreal um, experiences and playing, you know, being a part of the longest game of netball and just sharing it with the players. It was, yeah, it was pretty unreal to be in Delhi, um, which is a place I never thought I would get to go to. Casey Corpor talking to Matt Chatterton. And that's extra time for this week. Follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.